So do I agree with the American Heart Association's prescription for resistance training? It's obviously awesome that they now recommend resistance training. For the longest time, they never actually did. They were just like aerobic, 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 150 minutes a week of mild to moderate intensity or 75 minutes a week of intense or you know moderate to intense um, aerobic exercise, which obviously, no doubt about it, the cardiovascular improvements alone are fantastic. You reduce the incidence of strokes, heart attacks, all of that. Um, that was from 2007, the, the oldest guidelines. And go back to my previous um, podcast that I did about the new guidelines, uh, the American Heart Association new guidelines on resistance training. So as a, so obviously I'm a board certified cardiologist, right? But I'm also a certified personal trainer. I don't know too many cardiologists that are also certified personal trainers. And what we've learned over the past is how to program people uh, correctly, safely, and correctly. Now, obviously, this is a program for the general population. One of the things that we always talk about in cardiology is health span versus lifespan. Lifespan is you living longer. If you live to 90, but the last 20 years of it is in a nursing home, that's not good quality of life. That's health span. You're not it's not a good quality of life. Your health span was those first 70 years where you were functional and doing well. Good quality of life. The last 20 years were not. So even though you, your lifespan was 290, your health span, where you had your mind with you, your faculties, your abilities, uh, all of that was about 70. So the goal is we want to maximize both. We don't want you just to live longer. We want you to live longer with the ability to do more with the ability to think straight, with the ability to function, enjoy your kids, grandkids, enjoy life, go hiking, what have you, right? So their program, and and, and as a personal trainer, cardiologist, I have my own program. You can grab it at drallo.net slash exercise. That's dralo.net slash exercise. It's always in the links. But my program is designed for pretty much everyone it has a little more nuance, and I think it works better, and I'll, I'll compare the two. So let me give you the American Heart Association's resistance training program, right? So they're saying when you begin a new uh, resistance training program, they initially want people to start with an intensity of 40 to 60% of one rep max, which is reasonable. I think that's good. And then they say you gradually increase it over time. Um, they say you should follow the rule of two for two. Every time you they, you can do two more reps, then it's time to increase the weight um, another 2 to 10%. So let's say they do recommend a rep range of uh, 8 to 12 reps. So they say do one to three sets of modern intensity loads that allows about 8 to 12 reps. I think that's reasonable. If you're new to weightlifting completely and you don't know the form, you don't know if it's safe, I would say you could even go with a weight that's lighter until you kind of get the form. Um, but they do recommend doing eight to 10 different types of exercises and, and, and their definition of resistance training is, and they have this in the, the, the thing that they, you know, published dumbbells, uh, like free weights, dumbbells, body weight, i.e. push-ups, squats, etc., machine weights and, or resistance bands. So they count all of that as resistance training. Obviously it is. Now with some of these things, it gets harder and harder to progress them. Um, like body weight, you know, how many push-ups can you do in a row? After about, and, and that's the thing with like resistance training that we know, you know, from a, a certified personal trainer standpoint, anywhere from up to about 25, maybe 30 reps, you can build muscle. Once you kind of get above 30, 
it becomes more of an endurance type exercise. Like you're, you're training for muscle endurance and it becomes almost sort of like cardio. So like if you only have 20 pound dumbbells and you are pressing them off the floor, like floor presses, for example, you're pressing them you're getting eight to 12 reps initially, you get to 15, 20, what have you, you don't have any other dumbbells. Once you're doing about 40 or so, you know, anything above 30, it becomes more of an endurance, um, rather than actual resistance training. So that's one thing we definitely um, want to try to avoid. So just keep that in mind kind of uh, in the background. So they do recommend twice a week, eight to 10 exercises, about eight to 12 reps. And when you're able to do those extra two more reps, you're doing 14, then it's time to move up in weight or band or what have you. Now, um, they do have like a little graphic here that you can kind of follow um, it has a panel A and B. Panel A says low intensity exercises, less than 40% of one rep max. Moderate is 40 to 60%. Higher intensity is greater than 80%. And they say the first one is like 15 to 20 reps, which is probably where most people should start, which is what I recommend. Then get up to 8 to 12 reps. And then higher intensity is 1 to 6 reps. These are like when you're uh, training for strength. And I usually have my trainees or the people that I train, whether they're athletes or friends and family or, you know, people that wanted to train with me, I usually start them in a lighter load, lighter intensity so that they can do it with good form, learn the form and then increase it. And then I have them go between a hypertrophy and a strength um, kind of like cycle. So they'll start with hypertrophy, for example. Once they get those first two weeks out of the way and they get the form down, I'll have them start with the 8 to 12 reps, which is a hypertrophy range, generally speaking. Obviously, there's overlap. But they start with the 8 to 12 reps. Um, let's say they run that cycle for 12 weeks, three months. They do all the exercises in my exercise program. And the cool thing about my exercise program is it comes with a lot more uh, information. You get a calendar you get the exact reps and exercises to do. You get a video of me doing the reps and exercises for you and explaining it to you and showing you why this system works. So I usually have them do that hypertrophy for uh, 12 weeks, then switch to a strength where they increase the weight where they can only do like one to six reps or like four to six reps. And that gets you stronger so that next time when you cycle to hypertrophy, those eight to 12 reps that you can do would actually be a heavier weight, which also makes your muscles bigger which the bigger muscles with the bigger cross-sectional size should increase the strength. So when you go back to strength, now your strength should be higher. Now, they did they do have a panel B that says contraindications to resistance training. Let's go through these and I'll tell you which parts I uh, agree with and which parts I don't uh, agree with. So the contraindications that they have in panel B are, they're calling these absolute contraindications. Unstable coronary heart disease. This is reasonable. This is somebody that's like, every time I exert myself, I get this crushing chest pain. This is somebody that may or may not be having an active heart attack or has significant coronary heart disease to the point where if they exert themselves to any amount, they could cause myocardial ischemia, which just means not enough blood flow getting to your heart. Decompensated heart failure. This one, if it's obviously if it's decompensated, Yes, you probably shouldn't be exercising or moving even very much. Um, decompensating heart failure means like you're basically like need to be hospitalized for like horrific heart failure. Um, in the other case where somebody's not decompensated, but they do have a history of heart failure, exercise actually helps more cardio really, but there are, there are ways to do it. <clears throat> Uncontrolled 
atrial and or ventricular arrhythmias. Yeah, this is a good one. This is like somebody who has lots of PVCs, PACs, atrial fibrillation, et cetera, that is uncontrolled. If it is well controlled um, or you're not in it or you're on med medications to keep it under wraps, then that's probably not a problem. Severe pulmonary hypertension defined by a pulmonary arterial pressure of greater than 55. I agree with this one too. Obviously, exerting yourself in this scenario, whether it's cardio or uh, resistance training, can obviously lead to severe shortness of breath, heart failure, decompensation, etc. Severe and or symptomatic, severe and symptomatic aortic stenosis. This is obviously very good too. This is somebody who has a really, really tight valve. This is the main valve leaving your heart. You shouldn't do cardio either, and you should not be doing resistance training because that will obviously that will obviously cause you to go into heart failure, pass out, you know, really bad outcomes. Acute myocarditis, endocarditis, or pericarditis. This is inflammation and or infection of your heart muscle, your heart tissue, your valves, or the sac that your heart sits in. This should be like the obvious. If you have an infection or inflammation, you probably shouldn't be doing cardio either or any type of resistance training. That one makes a lot of sense. The next one is uncontrolled hypertension with a blood pressure of greater than 180. Uh, obviously, highly recommend this. Also, you probably really shouldn't be doing cardio for extended periods of time. Now, if you're just doing like a burst of cardio um, for like a stress test or something, not a big deal. But if your blood pressure is always over 180 and you're exerting yourself, especially with resistance training, it's obviously worse in resistance training because you're lifting, you've got, you're increasing your intra-abdominal pressure, your arteries, you know, the pressure goes up. So that's actually not, a, that's actually a really good one as well. Aortic dissection, yeah, that's obviously a good one. This is when your aortic valve is splitting from the inside. Obviously, do not uh, try to resist and strain. If that's happening, you'll just tear it more or make it worse. Marfan syndrome, this is an interesting one. This is somebody who has really lax uh, connective tissue, like your joints are very lax, you're very tall, your aortic arch is very stretched out. You could have an aortic aneurysm or aortic dilation. Sort of kind of goes with the aortic dissection that we are talking about above. High intensity weightlifting definitely can rip or tear something. I uh, agree with that one. The next one is high intensity resistance training in patients with active proliferative retinopathy or moderate or worse non-proliferative diabetic retinopathy. So this is a good one. This is probably more for like the really low reps and really heavy weights, but same can be said for the moderate intensity, the 8 to 12 reps. Um, somebody who has some kind of issues with their retina, now you're increasing intra-abdominal pressure, you're valsalving, you're, uh, you know, pushing really hard, the blood vessels and the pressures in your retinas, as well as all the other blood vessels pressure can go up really, really high. You can see why that can be a problem. Now, they also have relative contraindications, and it says here, consult a physician before participation. Individuals with defibrillators or pacemakers, this is a good one. Um, while having a pacemaker is generally not a contraindication to resistance training, um, if it was freshly put in, you obviously might want, might not want to do that, you know, in case it might get dislodged, especially with like bench press or stuff like that. Defibrillators are interesting because when you increase your heart rate, you could actually uh, end up getting shocked. The defibrillator does not know if it's a wide complex tachycardia like VTAC or narrow complex, like sinus tack. It just goes by the heart rate. If we set it to 180, and you exercise, and you get your heart rate above 180, 
it may try to pace you out of it or ultimately shock you depending on how we programmed it. So that is not, um, that could be a problem. You have to know, talk to your cardiologist. You have to know what we set it at. If we set it at 180, try to keep your heart rate under 180. If we set it at 200, try to keep it under 200, et cetera. You know, it could be 150, 160, whatever we set it to. So it's important to talk to your doctor about that. Another relative contraindication is diabetes. Now, not sure that this is a contraindication unless you have like maybe amputations and severe, you know, retinopathy, kidney disease, high blood pressure, et cetera. That could be a problem. But generally, for me at least, um, diabetics probably should do uh, uh, resistance training because it can help with insulin resistance. Your muscles and tissues will actually help improve your insulin uh, sensitivity and insulin resistance. Um, the next one is controlled hypertension. So this is good. Most people, if their hypertension is pretty well controlled, um, then resistance training is not going to be an issue. The next one is musculoskeletal conditions or limitations. Obviously, you know, let's say you have a, a chest cavity that was torn open due to a sternum, you know, a sternotomy from open heart surgery. You've got fractured ribs. You've got a rotator cuff. You've got a torn, I don't know, missing leg. You've got an amputation. You've got lack of blood flow to your legs, you know, peripheral artery disease. All that kind of stuff obviously can make a difference. Um, the next one's history of stroke. I guess it would depend on what type of stroke and what happened, but if it was a bleeding type of stroke or due to high blood pressure, um, obviously increasing your blood pressure because resistance training will do that, um, could increase that, maybe cause more damage. Um, so that's a good one. Another one that they have listed as relative is low functional capacity, people that can't do four METs. And if you've listened to some of my other podcasts, four METs is you going up a flight of stairs while carrying groceries. If you can't go up a flight of stairs while carrying groceries, that is a problem. Uh, and they're saying you might want to talk to your doctor before starting an exercise program. So I think that in, for probably the majority of those people with low METs, they should probably start some type of resistance training because you'll get stronger. That's the other thing that we talk about too that's not talked about often enough is quality of life. When you're getting older, sure, you're going to live a long time because of what we can do nowadays, the therapeutics, the medications, the ICU care, you know, all that stuff, surgeries, whatever. We can get you to live a really long time. The question becomes, um, how healthy will you be? What's your quality of life? Can you get up out of a chair? Can you walk? Can you bend down and pick something up? So resistance training makes it so that you can do everyday stuff. You can reach down and pick up a pencil. You can stand up out of a chair, you know, just basic stuff. Like a lot of my patients, I'm like, listen, doing weightlifting is not that hard. Sit in your chair, then stand up again. Sit in your chair, stand up again. That's the squat, you know, basically. Reach down to the ground and pick something up. That's basically a deadlift, you know, if, especially if you like hip hinge more. It's more like a stiff-legged deadlift or what we call a good morning almost. Um, that would be something that helps your lower back, your hamstrings, your glutes, etc., you can reach for things overhead and put them in a cupboard, cupboard, you know, over and over again. You can lay down on the floor and lift heavy weights, push them forward. You could do push-ups. That's like a bench press. Um, there's all kinds of ways to do this um, in a way that isn't that hard. You don't have to go to a gym. Um, you can do a lot of these things at home. Um, the next section that they talk about is how uh, safe these are. And I know, and if you've watched my long lectures on YouTube about exercise, you know, They've been on there for a while. I'm glad the American Heart Association is catching up. But one of the things we talk about is the safety of resistance training 
when you add it to cardiac rehab. Cardiac rehab is usually prescribed for those who've had a stent, who've had open heart surgery, who had a valve replacement, had a heart attack, have heart failure, etc. These are people that have had a pretty life-altering event. They're not always super strong and, 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 and capable. You know, their METs might not be up to four METs yet, but they do cardiac rehab, they do cardio. Usually cardiac rehab traditionally has been cardio. Now that there was a study done where they added resistance training, they found that quality of life got better. Not only that, but their anthropometrics got better. They had lower body fat, more muscle, so they actually looked better. They had less body mass, uh, less lean, more lean body mass, less fat mass, um, which is obviously uh, very good. They go through some of the data showing the safety of resistance training um, and how none of the people left the studies and there's no you know, major issues with it and it's very well tolerated. Then they have a sort of like a diagram or a chart of what exercises you can do, for example, for your chest, then your shoulders, then your back, then your triceps, your biceps, your quads, hamstrings, and glutes, your calves, your abdominals and obliques, you know, your quads, etc. They go through all of that with simple to-do exercises using just your body weight, bands, and a couple dumbbells. Now, obviously, like I said, it's harder to progress these. We always talk about progressive overload. When you're using just body weight, it does definitely become harder and harder to progress those. Like, you know, how many push-ups are you going to do before you're training your muscles more for like endurance rather than, you know, strength? Um, so that definitely matters. Um, how many body weight squats can you do? I mean, I could I could do over 100 in a row if I wanted to right now. But is that building muscle? Is that building hypertrophy? Is that building strength? Or am I training more for sort of cardio, like a uh, marathon or what have you. You know, it's a little bit of an extreme example, but you get what I'm saying. So that's kind of the point. I And they say that this is obviously good for adults of all ages, males and females, people with chronic conditions, postpartum, uh, pregnancy, all of that. I have a whole series on YouTube of, you know, women before, before, during, and after pregnancy, pre-peripartum, during partum, and after pregnancy postpartum and what kind of exercises they can do and how they can lose weight. You can easily find that on uh, my YouTube channel. But anyways, I, I do agree with the vast majority of this. I'm, I have nothing against what they're saying. It definitely seems like it would work for the vast majority of people and can be adapted to your ability. If you can't do a push-up, um, unfortunately, they don't, they don't go into detail. Well, you could do it against the wall, then eventually against a chair or a couch, and then eventually on the floor, then eventually put your feet up, like how to progress it. They don't go through any of that. Um, what if you can't get up out of a chair and do a squat or a deadlift hip hinge motion, then what do you do? So that's why I prefer my exercise program more. It works for kids, adults, elderly, non-elderly, men, women, everybody. Um, if you go to dralo.net slash exercise, you can get it. That's dralo.net slash exercise. I recommend that. It comes with the exact schedule, the exact reps, the exact exercises, how to progress it, how to add weight, how to cycle back and forth between strength and hypertrophy, you know, all of that with me showing you how to do everything with video demonstrations. So that would be my recommendation. But I feel this is a really good step forward for the American Heart Association so that everybody knows we really need to do this at least once or twice a week, if not more. And I always tell my patients, and it's in my exercise program, start with once a week. If you can lift weights one day a week, full body, great. If you're getting results from one day a week, why on earth would you go to six or seven days a week? 
the vast majority of people who are untrained or have never exercised or lifted weights before will actually see benefit with just one day a week training. They'll build some muscle, lose some fat, you know, et cetera. Not that the exercise is being done to help with weight loss because generally not so much, but over a long enough time horizon, um, it can. So generally, if it is working at one day a week, there's really no reason to up it. Let's say you're no longer progressing. You feel like you've gotten as far as you can with the one day a week thing. Make it two days a week. Go to upper and lower, you know, upper body, lower body. Then go to three days a week, the push-pull leg program that I recommend. And my whole program has all of that in there. You end up with a push-pull leg program doing three days a week. One day you push, which is like your chest, shoulders, etc., One day you pull, which is like your back, deltoids, rhomboids, etc. And then the other day is legs, which is self-explanatory. Eventually, you can add more days. You can add a full body one day and give it four days a week. You can add a cardio day. You can add whatever. And then what I usually do when I was at the peak of working out, I was cycling those push-pull legs every three days. I do push-pull legs, push-pull legs, rest. Push-pull legs, push-pull legs, rest. So I was in, in nine days or 10 days. I was going through that cycle almost three times, which is a lot of volume. Eventually, you'll get to the point where volume is necessary to see more gains. So highly recommend you grab that, DRALO.net. If you're enjoying this podcast and you want more people to hear about it, um, please go write some awesome reviews. I would truly appreciate it. Um, Share it with your friends. Um, I'd never plan on running any ads on here, and I'm just doing this so that people can benefit and learn true heart health and heart disease and i will catch you in the next episode peace